Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Shelters by Jesus Radio. It is a pleasure to be with you, and you are in for a treat today. For the next three episodes, we're going to be interviewing a very special guest. My name is Al Teeman. I'm one of the co-hosts. I'm here with Seth Roberts. Our guest today, Pastor Richard Berry. Pastor Berry, I'm so glad to have you here with us today. How are you, Seth? I'm Pastor? doing great. I'm really excited to finally have Pastor Berry on board. As you know, he's a pretty busy individual, so sometimes nailing him down is a near impossibility. But we have him here in the studio, and the studio door is locked. He's not allowed to leave until the podcast is over. We, we shut down the wood splitter and everything. Uh, sounds like a threat to me. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So, Pastor Barry, uh, welcome to the studio. Welcome to the podcast. It's really good to have you here, finally. Well, thank you very much. I just want to let the audience know, Pastor Barry, uh, if you don't know, is the founder of Shelters by Jesus. Again, 12 years ago, Pastor? 2008. He's also the author of several books, three which you can get through Amazon or direct from us, and the fourth one which is in the hands of the publisher right now. But we'll go into that later on. But I'm sure Al and I have plenty of questions for you, sir, about this place. Al, did you have something you want to kick off with? We've made a lot of friends that have come through here, haven't we, really, Pastor? Amen, brother. We have. Yeah. How many would you say have been through the shelter? You know what? I, I don't even dare to venture a guess. I mean, we've seen two to 400 come to Jesus every year, and there's been literally a few thousand have come through it. Those are just people that have given their, made an announcement. They just made an announcement of faith. Jesus we don't, is Lord of my life. Amen. They've given their lives over and accepted him as Savior, joined the kingdom, but literally thousands, because a lot come through, they already know him when he comes. So we don't see them come to Jesus, but we watch them transformed and watch their lives change because they come here. And even if they give their lives to Jesus, a lot of them really haven't really understood what being a child of daddy's all about. And when you hear daddy speaking, and a lot of them are responding to the dad. So yeah, it's been incredible. I wish I could give you numbers. We never even thought to keep track of numbers from day one, so we'll never know. But it's safe to say there's been thousands of people that that's, have come through here. Literally. Now, just so our audience knows, when you say dad, you're referring to God. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to you guys, and you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, Romans chapter 8, when you read it, it says, Abba, Father. And as I travel and speak, I open prayer with calling God Dad. He's my daddy. I started doing that in 2008 when everybody started leaving my church. When you read my first book, you'll understand we lost 80% of this congregation once after I took the first person in over a six-month period. And I got scared, and I sat on my bed and threw my hands in the air, and I called God Dad for the very first time in my whole entire life or ministry I cried out to my dad and he responded and now it's fun to watch people get to know him as dad and here when I'm on the road I get down there's a lot of pastors will get up and pray and they'll refer to him as dad when they're praying for the first time and it's pretty cool but that's why I call him dad but good I'm glad you brought it up Seth because I know listeners may not have a clue what heck I'm talking about I was brought up in a certain church and to call dad or God, Dad would be like, oh, you know, almost almost blasphemous, you know. But I have to tell you, working here, and I'm sure Al can you can share this too, that he is our Dad. He wants that intimate relationship, very personal. Now you started shelters by Jesus, not officially as shelters by Jesus, but you started serving the homeless in 2008. 2008, yep. and it started with one individual. One individual. Yep. Uh, Mike came. It was the guy I knew. I've uh, been known for 18 years and actually shared the gospel with, tried to for 18 years, give him to church. And first time he came, he came as a homeless guy. We had him flop on a couch, didn't tell anybody about it because you can't do that in churches. Pastor needs to go to about 17 committee meetings and have two business meetings and a whole nine yards to pull off something like that. 
So I stepped out of my comfort zone, took on some authority I probably didn't have, which I know I didn't have because I didn't go get permission from the church. But I had a friend that asked me what I was going to do because he was homeless, and I did it. Well, that's where the rubber meets the road. I've seen the pitch video for the film, right? and that's a hard question. I think that's the question that hits people the most when they see that video is, you know, imagine Pastor Barry being in a vehicle, and right next to him is his friend, and he says, you believe in Jesus? And Pastor says, yes. And Jesus says, help the homeless, right? And Pastor said, yes. And then his friend looks at him and says, well, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to be homeless. Do you live what you preach, or do you... And that's what God did. He threw a mirror up in front of me, and he said, Richard, do you really believe everything you've been preaching for almost 40 years? And I said, well, I think I do. Because I ain't gonna lie, I was a little nervous. Actually, I was scared putting the guy in the church. I didn't know what the results were gonna be. God put me in a corner where I didn't have a choice. And he'll do that to you sometimes, you know. He makes a decision, even though it's a hard decision, he makes it easier because there really isn't a decision to make. At least I didn't see one. But as I travel and share, I've had pastor after pastor and leader after leader come up and say, you said you didn't have a choice, you had a choice. I said, well, what was my choice? And they said to say no. I said, to me, that wasn't a choice. So I don't think I had one. Yeah, I could have said no, I guess. But how do I get back up in the pulpit next week and preach after I said no? Right. Right? No, that's an excellent point. And I don't want to give away too much, but you really detailed this out in your first book. And you had some opposition from the town, and you had to go before the town to defend what you were trying to do, what you felt God was calling you to do. Right. And now, at what point did you start building the men's shelter? We started at, well, the very end of 2008. We started in the middle of winter. No money, no idea what to do. We stuck four stakes in the snow out back. That's how we got started. No money, no people, no materials. And, and that's something I want to talk to you about, too, because Al and I have been really trying to encourage people to serve the Lord, whether it's through Shelters by Jesus or even in their own communities. You had a man named Jake Neubauer who came along and not only helped you design and build the shelter, but you often credit him for encouraging your faith. And there were many times when, for example, you needed money to come in because you needed a certain object or materials right. or something, and you didn't know where it was coming from, and Jake would always smile at you and say, it's coming, Yep. and you all, you're famous for using the term bad pizza. Absolutely. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about Jake and the building of the shelter? Well, Jake, what I used to use the term bad pizza lots because he had faith like I never saw, and he'd say, God shows me this, and I go, that's bad pizza. He went to the meeting with me when they wanted to shut us down, and then they said, if I built a new shelter, I could continue on. And so I agreed to build one, but I didn't think we'd see a shelter. Everybody credits me with this great faith. I didn't have any. I was a guy with no choices, not a guy with great faith, and it was I had to move forward, so we did. So at the end of the meeting, I said to Jake, how would you like to help me build a shelter and you be in charge? And he goes, sure. What we got for money? Ain't got none. What we got for help? Ain't got none. What we got for material? Ain't got none. And he goes, now this is interesting. And so I said, oh, Jake, they said if I made progress, they would let me keep people in the church while it's being built. So I just need you to help me show progress. So he went and got four stakes. We went out behind the church, out in what was a boggy area, but because it was winter, there was snow and ice, so we was able to walk out into it. And he brought a measuring tape, and he said, walk over there. Okay, drop a stake, walk over there, did four corners. And then he looked at it, and he looked at me, and he says, there's your men's shelter. And I said, that's a cocker right there. 
And I thought we were going to end up with four stakes, but he saw a shelter. And then we took that picture and mailed it to the chief fire marshal of the state of Maine. And, and he said, that's progress. The rest is history. All of a sudden, within a week, I had all the equipment donated from a guy I hadn't seen since 1969. And I'm going, what is this, you know? And then Jake would go, well, yeah, of course, Pastor. What do you think is going to happen, you know? We get in a tight spot, and he'd say, huh, I can't wait to see how Jesus is going to handle this one. I'm sitting there terrified, almost in tears, and he's just nonchalantly saying that. And that kind of ticked me off, too, at times. You know, it's like, I don't think you get it. You know, the problem was, he did. I did. And three years later, we stand there and uh, we have the grand opening of a 65 bed men's shelter fully coated and handicapped the whole nine yards and we did it with zero budget i marvel at what god does with such little starts little beginnings i would say you had some faith maybe it was the mustard seed size but you had some faith pastor and there was a remnant of people i know we talk a lot about losing the church but there was a handful that stayed we had 18 people. And that is just amazing. I know there's names, and, and I'll miss somebody, but, you know, the Spalding stay, the Abbots, right. Joyce, I remember, and your wife stayed. That was a good thing. I was glad my wife stayed, yes, I have to admit that. She has been such an inspiration, too, and a lot of prayers, too. That goes without saying, too. Uh, Wayne, I remember, was here, and yep. Gary stayed. And the people that stayed... I just marvel at then, you know, the task that was at hand, it was God's plan. And I have to say, too, Al, um, the people that stayed didn't just stay, they got involved. Yeah. You know, they became a part of the shelter. There's faith right. in action. Amen. Amen. I'd like you to tell the story of the welder. We visit the stage, actually it's the final stage, and we had to build uh, some uh, metal steps, exit steps outside the, the shelter. We had all the materials donated. So uh, John Ames, who was in charge of the welding and building like that, he came to me afternoon and he said, Pastor, if we're going to keep going, doing something every day, like you said, then I need a certified welder to build the steps. And I said, well, how much is a certified welder? And he said, well, they're $50 an hour. Well, I reached in, turned my pockets outside, and out, out comes some dust bunnies and probably two pennies. And didn't look like $50 an hour. So I said, okay. And I said, when do you need them, John? He said, tomorrow morning. And I said, oh, of course you do. That's just the way it was. So I threw my hands in the air and I cried out, Dad, I need a certified welder to be ready to go to work tomorrow morning. I put my hands down, and I left that afternoon, went, went over to Smithfield, which is two towns over from us, and I'm driving back on a cold October or November, it was late fall day, and I see this guy hitchhiking in front of uh, Cumberland Farms. He's dressed in summer clothes, and it's cold outside. And he was standing there, you can't see me shaking, but I'm shaking. And uh, so I pulled my truck over and rolled the window down and asked him where he was going. He said, I don't know. He said, I just got out of jail. I ain't got no place to go. And he said, I'm just looking for a place to get in where it's warm and get some clothes. And I said, you want to go to a homeless shelter? He said, you know where there is one? And I said, I got one. 
And he said, really? I said, yeah. So he said, you've got, you got some hot meals? I said, we serve every day. We wouldn't have some wedding on our clothes, would you? I said, yes, we do. Hot showers? I make sure the homeless know we have hot showers. And I say, and so too, you know, just, to, just so they understand we have plenty of that. He says, uh, okay, I'm in. So he jumps in the truck and we're about three and a half miles out of Skowhig and I turned to him. I said, by the way, what's your name? He said, my name's Ernie Knoll. I said, well, Ernie, when you're not in jail and you're not hitchhiking, what are you doing? He said, I'm a certified welder. And I said, of course you are. I have to say, I've only been here for two and a half years. Al, you've been here way longer than that. But we've always seen God's supply, whether it's financially, whether it's clothing, whether it's a need or an individual with a certain skill set. He's never failed to supply the person we need to get whatever we need to get done. We have been blessed by so many sources. You wouldn't have time to list them all, really. No. And so helping with the shelter, you really do get blessed. And so there continues to be opportunities until the Lord comes back, I believe. And so we're trenched in and ready to serve the homeless, give them a meal. I think of a story. My wife and I were coming here on Saturday. It was a happening place. We felt led to come here. We were in the small group with I remember when you came. And, and, yep. and the Peters. And we started coming on Saturday and Sunday. We right. served at another church, Faith in Waterville. Well, anyway, we had a business meeting in Faith. I sheepishly brought up the possibility of considering this church a, a ministry, uh, outreach, yep. and asked that maybe they would consider donating some money. I'm thinking like maybe you know $1,000 or so. Someone says, well, do you want to make a motion? So I said, well, I move that we, they go, don't be bashful. I said, okay, I move that we donate $3,000 to Trinity. Yeah. And so anyway, the head of the missions board said, I got a problem with that. And I was like, uh-oh, here we go. He goes, I'd like to amend that. And I'm thinking he's going to say, you know, a couple hundred dollars, which would be great. Sure. He says, I'm thinking something more like $30,000. I about fell over. Yeah, I did too, but well, I got it. It got a second and a third and a fourth. And bottom line is everyone voted for it. What a move of God, really. What a testimony. So many people took part in the building of this place. And, yes. and then I remember I got to, to call Jake, and he called you, and oh, yeah. answered to prayer. Yeah. Well, we've had many, many churches step up and become a part of this ministry, whether it's through donating finances. We've had churches come in and cook in the kitchen. We've had churches come up, help clean, help build, cut wood. So God has been moving a lot of churches, not just to get involved here, but also in their own communities, which is a great reason for a pastor to travel. Not only are you drumming up interest here at the shelter, but there's many churches that you've encouraged to get involved in their own communities. Right. So you've traveled all over this place. When did you start traveling to meet with other churches? Well, uh, we was into it about a year, so it was in 09. I started doing a couple local ones. Actually, it was because the pastor of faith at the time, Bill Cripe, mentioned one day he and I was talking, and he said... Uh, you're going to have to take this beyond what you are. You are not going to be able to do it just your church. And I'm like us and a couple of people helping you. The way your ministry is growing, you're going to need more churches or you ain't going to survive. And he said, do that. You're going to have to go off, start speaking to some churches. And I said, okay, I guess. Anyway, I, I did. I got a local church and uh, we spoke and it went well. And then I started calling some pastors. And they said, uh, well, what do you want to do? Because... They didn't know me from Adam, some of them. And I said, I want to share the miracles of God at my homeless shelter. 
And they said, so you want us to build a homeless shelter? I said, I'm not asking you to build a homeless shelter. But I told God that if he did miracles and took care of this, I'd share it and tell about his glory. I said, that's all I want to do. Can I come and share? And of course, when we shared, everybody gave anyway, and they just jumped in. And then it expanded, and I've spoken everywhere from here to California now. Right, you've been as far away as California. San Diego. You've been down to Florida. Yep, Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee Arkansas. Arkansas. Down the Cape. Yep, and I've been to the Cape. I've done the Rockefeller Center in uh, New York City. Albany. Albany. I've spoken in Albany. I've spoken in uh, Stamford, Connecticut. Vermont. Uh, Vermont. New Hampshire. Massachusetts. Uh, and you've got a lot of churches, not just to help support us, but they've actually gotten involved in their own community. Yes, we got a lot of churches now that started feeding people and putting together food and clothes. And one church on the Cape started a knapsack ministry to kids, homeless kids in school. And they started out one little school with one little church, and it just blew up. Now they're doing 21 schools. And uh, I don't know how many backpacks. So as he even put in his book that this is uh, came from when I spoke there, that they got inspired to start this. They said, we got to do something. And so they did like five knack sacks. And now from then, they're doing thousands. From Matthew chapter 25, uh, Jesus is talking. They will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison? And did not help you. He replied, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then they went away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. What would you say about that? I would say, of course, given isn't going to put you into heaven, but it's going to be a sign that you're going. <laughs> right, you're talking about a faith of yes. works that are driven by a faith. Yes, that's what I say. It's a sign you're going because you are showing it. James said that. He said, oh, show me your faith by my works. He said, you can tell me about yours, but I'll show you mine. And uh, he said, that type of faith is salvation faith when you have works behind it. God has really come across for a lot of our needs here at the shelter. We needed repair through the handicap ramp. God sent someone to do that. We're getting our men's boiler repaired. God sent someone to do that as well. And now we're looking at the roof. Right. So we have on the family shelter where the women and children and married couples stay a need to fix the roof. Right. How's that going? What, what's going on with that project? Well, we have a couple guys that are looking into getting it done. Jeff Newbau, actually Jake's son, because Jake passed away and just kind of taking his place on that, is trying to put together a crew to do the roofing. Because the big thing is financing. We have some financing right now, and we're looking to at least do a section of the roof. And uh, as God moves, then we'll do the rest of it. But we built a men's shelter with no budget. I guess we can patch a roof with no budget, too. And I got a feeling the monies are going to be there. Our donations will be there this time. We're looking forward to what's going to happen this fall. I think something will happen. Coming up on the next episode, Pastor, I'd like to ask you more about the projects we have coming up. Al, thank you again for coming. It's been a real pleasure to be here. As always, Al, it's really good to see you and have you in the studio. We just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening and supporting us. It has made all the difference to know that we're reaching out uh, and making a difference for people. Uh, if you have any questions about this place, you want to know more about Shelters by Jesus, or if God is moving you to donate, you can do so by either pushing the listener supported button here on the podcast 
or you can go to our website at www.sheltersbyjesus.com and donate through there. Or you can send us a letter at 12 McClellan Street, Skowhegan, Maine, 04976. Or you can give us a phone call at 207-474-8833. And Al, thank you for coming. Great. Pastor, thank you for being here. And look forward to two more episodes. God bless.